Welcome, you've arrived at the White Horse Tavern. Your circle of celebrants is finishing up an Irish reel called the Banshee in celebration of St. Paddy's Day. In Irish legend, a banshee is a female spirit whose wailing warns of impending death in a house. But this house is rocking. You'd have a hard time finding a more rousing way to go out. Reminds me of a joke the old-timers would crack now and then at sessions. That you get to heaven before the devil knows you're dead. But now, taking the stage is that young scruff from part one, who's traded his notebook for his guitar to play an Irish ballad. Listen up. I heard Liam sing this in the White Horse Bar. Irish Bar. Down by the 
I saw the boys are playing at the bouncing of the ball. And my old true love was the fairest of them all. He's a bonny lad, he's daily growing. At the age of fourteen, he was a married man At the age of 15 The father of a son At the age of 16 His grave the grass in it to his growing I'll buy my love a shroud of the ornamental ground and place it on his grave for the tears Yeah, he was young and daily growing, soaking up influences and engagements so fast you can't blame him for forgetting he was on the very stage of the White Horse Bar he was referencing. Now, given how close the Emerald Isle is to the Sceptered Isle, both geographically and culturally, it stands to reason that the melodies in their origins can get blurry. Next up, we have a song that Jean Ritchie, in a letter to Roger McGuinn, describes as a version that has been in her family for many generations. She says her family ancestors came from England, Scotland, and Ireland as early as 1768 and brought their songs with them. McGuinn has hypothesized that the song might have been inspired by the English Civil Wars of 1642-51, to and she says she's heard it might date back to the Great Plague. The lyrics, as you'll hear, refer to a well-known English town, though it's pronounced differently. Richie says she's patched up some of the missing lines with her own, tired of singing la-la-la in the blanks. On the stage, they perform a mashup of the song, be it Nottingham Town or Nottingham, are the aforementioned Gene Ritchie and Roger McGuinn. A shining magna kumbaya of Chicago's Old Town School of Folk Music, McGuinn's contribution to folk rock music as a founding member of the Birds is incalculable, as is his role in helping to propel the meteoric ascent of that kid in the corner. But perhaps lesser known is his return to his folk roots in the form of the Folk Den, which offers his always engaging takes on folk classics. I encourage you to Google it. But now let's listen. In Nottingham Town, not a soul would look up, not a soul would look up, not a soul would look down, not a soul would look up. 
Now to that kid in a Dutch boy cap with a snap. Masters of War from Free Wheelin'. Come, you masters of war. You that build the big guns. You that build the death planes. You that build all the guns. You that hide behind walls You that hide behind desks I just want you to know I can see through your masks (laughs) 
In the same letter to McGuinn, somewhere around 1999 or 2000, Ritchie writes, quote, In the 60s, when the Kingston Trio and others began copywriting, as writers, our family songs, I applied for several copyrights for the family. A copyright for the last song was approved in 1964, based on the changes I had made to the lyrics, unquote. Interestingly enough, she goes on to say that she has contributed much of the royalties from that flirtatious scrub in the corner, among others, to Kentucky charities over the years. The next song to be performed comes courtesy of Alan Lomax, who with his pioneering father, folklorist and author John Lomax, recorded tons of folk songs and interviews by everyone from sharecroppers and prisoners to legendary folk musicians like Leadbelly, Muddy Waters, and Woody Guthrie. His career achievements are too extensive to even summarize here. But suffice it to say that along with Harry Smith and others, his role in preserving the invisible Republic of America before it was lost to antiquity cannot be overstated. Without them, who knows if a folk revival ever would have happened. Now the title of this song is The Last of Loch Royal. And my people brought this song from Scotland into this country. Other people might have brought it from other places. I don't know. But I learned this from my grandmother when I was a very small boy. Oh, I'm going away to a foreign land. I'm going away for a while. But I'll return to you, my love, though I go ten thousand miles. The sun may dry up the ocean. Heaven may seem to be This earth will lose its motion Love, if I prove false to thee Oh, who will shoe your pretty little feet? Who will glove your hand? And who Sweet ruby lip While I'm in a foreign land Father will see My pretty little feet Mother will glide <laughs> And you may kiss My sweet ruby lip When you return again I prove false to thee. My 
bad winds go tell my sailor boy that I still wait in the Delta. I would love to feel his fond embrace and the last of luck are royal. So what does Dylan do with that tune sung by Neil Morris, a folk singer from Arkansas? He turns it into a ballad about a heavy-hearted lover run out of Kingsport town by the high sheriff for consorting with a curly-haired, dark-eyed gal with Memphis lips and sandy-colored skin. Now, from the Bootleg Series, Volumes 1 through 3. A winter wind is a-blowing strong My hands have got no gloves I wish to my soul that I could see The gal I'm thinking of Oh, you remember me, baby I remember you quite well You caused me to leave old Kingsport town With a high sheriff on my trail High sheriff on my trail, boys Hush up on my trail Oh, because I'd fallen far A curly-headed, dark-eyed gal You might have noticed that a lot of the songs come from Scotland, not Ireland. But until the Scots come up with a special day to match St. Patrick's Day, we'll just have to paint with a broad brush, keeping in mind all the commingling that occurred among the Enchanted Isles. Now as we wait for the woman flirting with the scruff in the corner to quit her low-down ways and take the stage, I thought I'd interview his contemporaries from across the pond, the gone, but far from forgotten, Clancy Brothers. By the power vested in me by being Irish on my mother's side all the way back to General Israel Putnam, he who coined don't fire till you see the whites in their eyes, by being an ex-altar boy and ex-Catholic, and by being a firm believer in the power of higher spirits, reddening many an eye in the Irish pubs about now, I shall cross the great divide and summon the Irish legends from the great pub in the sky. Gentlemen, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find some time to take out of your eternity to commune with us. So what's with the pipes everyone associates with the sound of the Emerald Isle? Brian Boru was, uh, that's the Brian Boru's March. march. And he was, uh, he was a, ki- a high king of Ireland when there was four kingdoms, five kingdoms in Ireland. And he was originally one of the smaller kings in Munster. And uh, in Cashel, the famous Rock of Cashel was the... the, the was seat. Strong, wasn't it? Yeah. And later he conquered the other kings and became high king. He was very famous for the Battle of Clontarf. Yeah. So if you have Spotify up there, could you just give us a quick sample of Brian Beru's March with the Pipes? Well, I could easily imagine marching off in a kilt to do or die to that. Sounds sort of like Johnny come marching home. But where did St. Paddy's get its start, anyway? Well, the significance of the whole thing is that in 432, St. Patrick arrived in Ireland, probably from somewhere on the continent. And he went to the High King of Ireland, who was Lera at the time. And... Um, he succeeded in converting him to Christianity. But the one thing that stumped the High King was the mystery of the Trinity. 
And in order to explain it to him, St. Patrick bent down and he took up a shamrock. And he used this as the symbol for the Trinity. It was one plant, but with the three leaves, the one God with the three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But actually, St. Patrick first, according to folklore anyway, first came to Ireland as a slave, as a young boy. And he was herding sheep, I think, in County Antrim. In Slemish. Slemish, uh -huh, as it's called now, County Antrim. And uh, he escaped. Uh, but, and later, somewhere on the continent, uh, entered the priesthood and uh, became a Christian and was obviously a very intelligent man and became a bishop and came back to Ireland with some followers to bring Christianity to Ireland. So this might seem like a stupid question, but do they celebrate St. Paddy's Day up up there where you guys are, and uh, if so, how? It's celebrated as a religious holiday. The pubs are closed. There is no parade. All the stores are closed down. And people celebrate it by getting up and going to Mass in the morning. Wow, you're scaring me crooked. Guess I'll take my sweet time before joining you rambling boys of pleasure up yonder. But Liam, one last question for you. You know, Dylan made a fortune with his remakes of Celtic songs, and now that you can speak freely, I'm just curious how you feel about that. Never really get over that, do you? Well, you do have the rest of eternity to get over it. And in Dylan's defense, most of the listeners of this podcast wouldn't even be checking out these Celtic songs if not for him. So you got to admit, he's given back as much as he's taken. Anyway, a tip of the hat to you and your mates. Hope you can sneak out now and then to paint the town green. But now that flirtatious bohemian chick with the long black hair and angelic voice has left the scrub in the corner to sing a ballad about Joe Hill, the Swedish-American activist, wobbly, and songwriter who coined the phrase pie in the sky. Joan Baez has been in the public eye since the day she began her legendary residency at Boston's famed Club 47 when she was just a teenager. In fact, she was famous before that kid in the corner and helped usher him on to the world stage. If there was a just cause worth fighting, from civil rights and women's rights to free speech and opposition to war and oppression, Joni has been there since the late 50s. And there's no telling how influential she's been in liberating women from the overbearing thumbs of men. I saw her concert at the Chicago Theater in October of 2018, and although her voice reflects the ravages of time, her spirit and guitar skills remain forever young as she completes her farewell tour. Well, the relationship between this queen of folk with the king of folk never fulfilled the romantic fantasies of the public, their legacy endures. more than guns to kill a man 
martyr to the 4th century philosophic patron saint of brewers, printers, theologians, sore eyes, and a number of cities and dioceses. A saint famous for being a unique Catholic theologian and for his agnostic contributions to Western philosophy. Tommy Maycomb of the Clancy Brothers, having roved out between the Golden Gates to give this forbidden performance that will bring us right back to John Wesley Hardy. As I roved out on the May morning, on the May morning, right early, I met my love upon the way, oh Lord, but she was early. And she sang a little doodle, little doodle, little doodle, and she hide a land and she hide a land and she landed. FYI, that's what's known as the Irish lilt. She had a dark and a rolling eye, and her earrings tipped her shoulder. And she sang in the doodle, in the doodle, in the doodle, and she hid in the dee, and she hid in the dee, and she landed. What age are you, my bunny wee lass? What age are you, my honey? Modestly she answered me, I'll be seventeen on Sunday. And she sang in the doodle, in the doodle, in the doodle, and she hid in the dee, and she hid in the dee, and she landed. Where do you live, my bunny wee lass? Where do you live, my honey? In a wee house up at the top of the hill, and I live there with me, mammy. 
And she sang let the doodle, let the doodle, let the doodle and she hidled and the dee, and she hidled and the dee, and she landed. If I went to the house on the top of the hill when the moon was shining clearly, would you arise and let me in and your mammy not to hear you? And she sang let the doodle, let the doodle, let the doodle. Spoiler alert. This doesn't end well for the young lady. I went to the house on the top of the hill when the moon was shining clearly. She arose to let me in, but her mammy chanced to hear her. And she sang let the doodle, let the doodle, let the doodle, and she hidled and the dee, and she hidled and the dee, and she landed. She caught her by the hair of the head, and down to the room she brought her. With the butt of a hazel twig, she was the well-bid daughter. And she sang let the doodle, let the doodle, let the doodle, and she hidled and the dee, and she hidled and the dee, and she landed. Will you marry me now, Miss Soldier Lad? Will you marry me now or never? Will you marry me now, Miss Soldier Lad? For you see, I'm none forever. And she sang let the doodle, let the doodle, let the doodle, and she hidled and the dee, and she hidled and the dee, and she landed. I can't marry you, my bonny wee lass, I can't marry you, my honey, for I have got a wife at home, and how could I disown her? And she sang let the doodle, let the doodle, let the doodle, and she hidled and the dee, and she hidled and the dee, and she landed. A pint at night is my delight And a gallon in the morning The old women are my heartbreak But the young ones is me darling And she sang Let the doodle, let the doodle, let the doodle And she hidled on the dee And she hidled on the dee And she landed And now to the Dylan borrowing Which, incredibly enough, is actually shorter than this As we're on the subject of Dylan's John Wesley Harding, released in December of 1967, here are encore snippets by the Dubliners, Tommy Makem and the Clancy Brothers, and Bob Dylan, respectively. The first is called My Little Son, the second is titled Hattie West, and the Dylan cut probably needs no introduction. Let's listen. Small 
West House. He gave me a feed of American hash and he called it Liverpool Scouse. He said there's a ship that's a wanton hands and on her you'll quickly sign. The mate is a tyrant, the boatswain's worse, but she will suit you fine. I pity the poor immigrant who wishes he would have stayed home. uses all his power to do evil but in the end is always let so alone that man whom with his fingers cheats and whom lies with every breath who hates his life and likewise fears his death. Now, a grammatical footnote here, just in case there's someone young and impressionable out there who's confused about proper pronoun reference and doesn't have a mommy or a daddy to cheat them into the finest schools. As we all know, money doesn't talk, it swears. It's who lies, not whom lies since who is a grammatical subject of the clause. Just saying. For more, see E.B. White's Elements of Style. More to the issue. What we have here in this trilogy is an example of the folk tradition in which artists put different lyrics on the same basic song. So when Dylan uses a pre-existing melody for I Pity the Poor Immigrant, John Wesley Harding, the argument is that he's just following the folk tradition. Now, not to overly disrupt the celebratory vibe of this podcast, I should at least point out that when said artists copyright their versions, another tradition comes into play, the commercial one, which allows the copyright owner to collect royalties and protect against their love's labors being lost to a thief. In that tradition, writers who cop another's work are subject to copyright infringement. Now, in the 60s, artists like Pete Seeger, Dylan, the Kingston Trio, and others copyrighted their takes on traditional songs. So if you or I were to put different lyrics on, say, I Dreamed I Saw St. Augustine, and make any sort of waves with our wave file, would we be paranoid to expect a lawyer or two to come knock, knock, knocking on our haven's door? Something to think about anyway. But now, time for some levity for our festivity. One of the imbibing regulars is standing up for an impromptu performance, the kind of thing that happens routinely at sessions in Irish pubs, sessions being informal gatherings of musicians who form a circle and play traditional Irish music together, from jigs, hornpipes, and reels, to polkas, waltzes, set dances, slip jigs, and ballads. At every session, he winks at them with his one good eye. 
His nose is so crooked, all the girls love him, and they blow kisses at him as he staggers by. He's got a girlfriend named Molly Makowski. Her hair it is yellow, though once it was brown. <laughs> he drives him around in a 63 Corvair, and be God, he thinks he's the toast of the town. <laughs> There's more. Wait a minute. <laughs> Boss says, you've got to work on Sunday. He says, oh, no, I must go to Mass. It's a quaint little church with an elegant altar over which the holy water is served out in a glass. <laughs> but it's a very fine congregation, so you know they'll let in any old fool, because you know it no matter what your denomination, everyone's welcome at St. Barstool. <laughs> now the old fella, he came to a bad ending. It's the same old story, it's sad, but it's true. His wife came down to the bar and she brained him, and next week he's taking the kids to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of wayward Irish Catholics, a priest was waiting on Saturday afternoon for his usual parade of people coming to confession. In comes a man so drunk he's stumbling down the aisle, bouncing from pew to pew. Finally finds the confessional, goes in and shuts the door. The priest goes in his side and waits. Nothing happens. He clears his throat so the fellow might know he's there and ready. No reaction. Finally, he starts losing his patience and bangs sharply at the wall three times. The drunk fellow in the confessional says, It's no use knocking. There's no paper in here either. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was that funny, but what's the Trump era if not hyperbole on steroids? But now, a mashup of the Clancy Brothers leaving a Liverpool and Dylan's knockoff of it, Farewell, another bootleg series cut.
Though Dylan's norm is to put his own words to traditional music, coming up is a bracing instance where he lifted and twisted the theme and some of the words from Robert Burns' poem and set it to blues music. First, a reading of the Burns' poem set to a mournful melody called Farewell to Edinburgh. Now, since a poet with a deep Scottish brogue isn't available to do the honors, I guess it'll be up to me, however limited I may be. Farewell to the highlands, farewell to the north, the birthplace of valor, the country of worth. Wherever I wander, wherever I roll, the hills of the highlands forever I love. My heart's in the highlands, my heart is not here. My heart's in the highlands, chasing the deer. Chasing the wild deer and following the roe. My heart's in the highlands wherever I go. Farewell to the mountains high covered with snow. Farewell to the straths and green valleys below. Farewell to the forests and wild hanging woods. Farewell to the torrents and loud pouring floods. My heart's in the highlands, my heart is not here. My heart's in the highlands, a chase in the deer. A chase in the wild deer and follow in the row. My heart's in the highlands, wherever I go. And now the opening from Dylan's 1997 Grammy Award winner, Time Out of Mind. Now 
Now as another St. Paddy's Day recedes into the misty myth of yesterday, I'd wager that many an Irishman and woman is stewed about now. The iconic and inimitable Chicago columnist Mike Royko once received heavy incoming from angry Irishmen after he wrote a column in 1966 suggesting that the Irish have a great capacity for drinking. On March 15th of the same year, he responded with an ironic column acceding to their demands for an apology, a retraction, and an admission of error. Quote, The Irish do not have a great capacity for beer. I'm sorry I suggested they ever did. There. That should be a satisfactory retraction and apology. Period. But just to be safe, I'll make it stronger. The Irish, in fact, have a very limited capacity for beer. Germans, for instance, can consume far more impressive quantities of the suds than the Irish and still be on their feet singing university songs, unquote. Royko then goes on to describe how the same is true of Poles, Italians, Latvians, Turks, Zambians, and numerous others, even the Mukhtau Indians on the eastern coast of Zorath. But Royko doesn't stop there. He confesses that he misled because of shoddy reporting. He hadn't called local taverns. So this time around, he called around, and when he asked one tavern owner how much beer he sells on St. Paddy's Day, the answer was, I don't think I could even measure it. In other words, a microscopic amount proving his error conclusively. Now Mark Twain had this to say about Irishmen and liquor in his life on the Mississippi. Quote, Give an Irishman lager for a month, and he's a dead man. An Irishman is lined with copper, and the beer corrodes it. But whiskey polishes the copper and is the saving of him. Unquote. And on that note, let's wrap up our St. Paddy's Day revelry with a reversal of order. Here's a sample of our honorary Irish bard performing Restless Farewell from the Times Era Changing album for a Frank Sinatra tribute. All the money in my life I could spend. Be it mine right or wrong to leave. I let it slip gladly through the hands of my brain. To tie up the time most forcefully But the bottles are done And we killed everyone And the table is full And overflow And the corner sign Says it's closing time so be it farewell Think it down the road If the literary heritage of Ireland is rich, so too the musical beyond what we've already heard. To name a few, Turlough Carolyn, the blind wandering harpist and composer from around the 1700s, considered by many to be Ireland's national composer, and John McCormick, the legendary Irish tenor, then a more recent vintage, you have the likes of Van Morrison, the Chieftains, Paul Brady and Andy Irvine of Planksty, the Bothy Band, the Boys of the Lock, Lorena McKennett, Christy Moore, the Pogues, the Cranberries, the Coors, the Waterboys, Glenn Hansard, and of course, you too. And no list would be complete without kudos to Chief O'Neill, 
the Chicago cop and musician at the turn of the 20th century, who collected and published tons of traditional tunes still being played around the Celtic world. And now, after a recital of Seamus Haney's Ode to the West Coast, postscript, a gathering of distinguished balladeers performing the traditional Scottish tune, The Parting Glass, which purportedly has been supplanted as the go-to parting song in Scotland by Robert Burns's Auld Lang Syne. Uh, before we bring the night to an end, we're going to remember the great poet Seamus Heaney, who died all too soon last week. Fiona will read the, uh, the poem Postscripts, and then it's time for one last song, The Parting Glass. Uh, joining our singers on stage will be a very special group brought together by Gary Dunn at the London Irish Centre. Now, they've never sung together before, uh, but with these London Irish voices, we celebrate the deep roots and great contribution of the Irish community in Britain. Thank you so much. Good night. Um, just to say, whenever um, Seamus would start a poetry reading, he often began with a phrase he had heard in his childhood, which was, whatever you say, say nothing. <laughs> My voice has been doing that all evening. <laughs> but this poem he wrote in a drive with the playwright Brian Friel, they and their wives, drove out west, and I feel you can hear his voice telling us to do the same. And sometime, make the time to drive out west into County Clare. Along the flaggy shore in September or October, when the wind and the light are working off each other, so that the ocean on one side is wild with foam and glitter, and inland, among stones, the surface of a slate grey lake is lit by the earthed lightning of a flock of swans. Their feathers rough and ruffling, white on white, their fully grown, headstrong looking heads, tucked or cresting or busy underwater. Useless to think you'll capture it or park. You are neither here nor there, a hurry through which known and strange things pass, as big, soft buffetings come at the car sideways and catch the heart off guard and blow it open. And of all the money that e'er I spent I spent it in good company And of all the harm that e'er I've done Alas, it was to none but me 
If I had the money that e'er I spent And leisure time to sit a while There is a lesson Now the ruffle-haired scruff is taking his harmonica up to the stage to lead a rousing send-off to St. Paddy's at the White Horse Tavern, where Dylan Thomas is said to have had his last drink before going not so gently into that good night. But while we wait for everyone to set up, one last joke. O'Brien approached Mulligan's bar. On the step outside, he was accosted by a nun, Sister Marie, who said, Surely a fine man like yourself is not going into this den of iniquity. Surely you're not going to waste your hard-earned cash on the devil's brew. Why don't you go home and feed and clothe your wife and children? Hang on, sister, sputtered O'Brien. How can you condemn alcohol out of hand? Surely it's wrong to form such a rash judgment when you've never tasted the stuff. Very well, said Sister Marie. I'll taste it just to prove my point. Obviously I can't go into the pub, so why don't you bring me some gin? Oh, and just to camouflage my intent... Maybe you should bring it in a cup, not a glass. Okay, said O'Brien, and into the bar he breezed. I'll have a large gin, he said to the barman. And can you put it in a cup? My God, said the barman, that nun's not outside again, is she?
In his book Chronicles, Dylan spelled out his affection for Liam Clancy and Celtic Balladeers. Quote, I got to be friends with Liam and began going after hours to the White Horse Tavern on Hudson Street, which was mainly an Irish bar frequented mostly by guys from the old country. All through the night they would sing drinking songs, country ballads, and rousing rebel songs that hit the roof. The singer always had a merry light in his eye, but had to have it. I loved those songs and could still hear them in my head long after and into the next day, unquote. Now as to that harmonica you've been hearing, if you believe that's the scruff getting down, you must also believe in leprechauns, banshees, blarney stones, lucky charms, and the land of fairy, where nobody gets old and godly and grave, where nobody gets old and crafty and wise, where nobody gets old and bitter of tongue. You've been listening to Dylan at the White Horse Tavern on St. Paddy's Day, a production of my Rockademia U, hosted by me, J.B. As for me, now that I've knocked down a cold Guinness and chased it down with a double shot of Heaven's Door whiskey, I'm headed for the door, if indeed there is a door. All wrongs righted, all rights reserved, 2019.